0: The mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by ACES Nation, where we talk about
1: nutrition,
0: sports performance,
1: the journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire.
0: I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. Today, we are talking about resiliency and how you can be more resilient as an athlete. Physically, uh, through your daily habits like sleep, nutrition, all forms of recovery, and then we're also gonna to touch on the mental aspect here. That's why we've got our special guest, Tiana Wood in here. That's awesome. She is a certified sports psychology coach. So she's gonna help us out with the mental side of how you can be more resilient on the field.
2: Yeah. Welcome. Welcome Thanks.
0: back. Yeah. Thanks for having me
2: back. It's like your third time in
0: here. <laughs> this know. is great. I yeah.
2: know. Becoming a
1: regular. You're a regular now. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> All right, so um, let's just talk about resiliency, right? Um, one thing I think would be cool, is if we talk about things as athletes maybe we struggled with from a resiliency standpoint, whether that was physical, whether that was uh, some type of recovery strategy, or whether that was a, a mental block that maybe we had and then came, you know, overcame at some different point. Mm-hmm. Um, Tana, do you want to start with that?
2: Sure. Great. I guess if we're talking about from um, our past, the first one that popped into my head when you said that was dealing with the overwhelming anxiety before competition mm-hmm. and kind of how to deal with with um, preparing for competition in a way that like that didn't consume you and you could still perform well so um, I don't know if you two have any experience with that either and how to, for sure like how you dealt with it but um, I definitely was not very good at it at first especially you know in like the high school age range I think I got a little bit better at it going into college but mm-hmm. and then kind of how to coach that to athletes moving on in the coaching career but um that feeling of adrenaline and anxiety is can be really beneficial if you can channel it Mm -hmm. into your competition so um obviously with me i'm talking specifically about track and field and um i used to let that kind of feeling and turn into a dread of like upcoming competition and all the what-ifs of how it could end up and what could happen, the end result could be, and what if I lose or what if I trip on a hurdle or Mm -hmm. whatever. But um, I kind of started to learn in college from my coach about how to think about preparing for competition and kind of put it on paper, which really helped me kind of get rid of all those feelings of anxiety and feel like I'd done enough to prepare and was confident enough to not let that feeling um kind of consume me but fuel me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so one of the ways i did this as an athlete and then later um through my coaching career with my athletes was called competition mapping which is basically getting everything down on paper so you can write down all of the things that you have control over um task cues is a huge one so things that you'll be thinking about so instead of thinking about specifically like oh my god what if i don't you know, have a good start, what if I trip or mess up. It was more about like the specific cues that you're going to keep in your mind or positive thoughts or whatever that may be for Mm -hmm. that competition day. So that you're focusing your brain on that and then your nervous energy is getting focused on the specific like routine warm up that you have set for yourself. So on a competition map it basically start out with something like and there's an example of it in the grip book, but Basically, it would start out as, um, you know, maybe things that you need to bring. So, like, things you're not going to forget. And you write that down and then pack your bags so you know that that's out of the way. Like, I'm not going to end up forgetting a piece of equipment that I really need. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part was, you know, writing down, like, those cues. So, I'd say, I know I'm high jumping this competition. I want to think about this specific part of my approach. And um, that's what I'm going to have in my mind while I'm warming up for that. I'm not going to be thinking about, like, what if I knock the bar off at my first height and I'm out of the competition? Mm-hmm. And then um, the last part is kind of breaking down a couple of general things that you're going um, to have to help you with confidence, like I'm prepared and thinking specifically about why you're prepared. Um, and then maybe a little bit of like a, a visualization type routine that you can go through right before you start your competition to kind of get your mind in the in the setting of competition and focus those kind of nervous emotions. But I think that that was probably the biggest one that helped, um, with that kind
1: of anxiety. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: I was just going to say, I, I just wanted to kind of go off what you said. Um, definitely in like middle school, high school, I didn't know how to deal with anxiety mm-hmm. in that sense, like that performance anxiety, but because of the, I guess, like sports I did, there were always multiple events. And after the first one, I was always fine. Like once the first one, even if it didn't go well, I was like, okay, it's out of the way, whatever, I still have four more events or I still have three events, you know, whatever that might be. Um, But similarly, in college, we were fortunate enough to work with, uh, I think, a grad, either graduate or PhD student in sports psychology. And we did a lot of visualization. Mm -hmm. And that was something that really helped me. To kind of have something else to focus on, um, but also just kind of manifest a better result by focusing on the things that you can control. Right. Um, so when we would do like our walkthrough of courses, we would have those specific like visualization things to go through and then do that like the night before. And then the next day you feel more prepared because you kind of know, okay, at this point in the race, I'm going to feel this and I want to do this and whatever it might be, um, so that was definitely helpful. Didn't get rid of the nerves. No. no. I remember one of the things, one of my high school uh, track coach coaches said when, I think it was before like a two mile or something, all of us were like, oh my gosh, we're so nervous. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do this. And he was like, that's good that you're nervous. It means that you care mm-hmm. and you want to do well. And that was really helpful. I think just to, to normalize it almost of like, it's okay that you feel that way. Just don't let it consume you.
2: Yeah, I think the kind of been there done that thing really helps too. So mm-hmm. coaches if, you know, if they're setting up some sort of competition scenario or game scenario on in a practice setting, that can really help people feel confident like they they feel that pressure of whatever that uh competition scenario is, but they've done it before. So once mm-hmm. they get there, they're like, "Okay, I've done something just as hard or or harder in practice. Like I can I can handle this." Yeah.
0: Uh, I, what I think is really fascinating about track and field is the really like the urgency and the finality of those moments, right? Where it can be really easy, I think, to get in your head about what you're going to do and how things can go wrong because you only have a limited amount of opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there then and there i mean especially even if you're racing it's that one time you have right and it's a huge moment and i think it's really important to establish those types of resiliency practices like as you mentioned early on and very often and have those opportunities to go out and experience failure in practice or experience like hey this is a really big moment and i need to prepare myself to bring that anxiety down and really just focus on things that i can't control because i I mean when i did track in high school it was not like that big of a deal for me because i wasn't going to go do it Mm -hmm. and i wasn't even that good at it right but (laughs) but so it wasn't i didn't feel that pressure right all i was there was like okay i'm doing this i'm gonna stay in shape i'm just gonna go as hard as i can right right if i lose whatever i'm not gonna get a scholarship in this (laughs) right like do i care yeah but like i'm not sold on this this is Mm -hmm. not my end goal so, like, I can't I can't imagine being in college, being at a high level, and, like, having that. But I think at that point, you probably have already become accustomed to that stuff and, and already have your, your plan down, like mm-hmm. you talked about, the mapping and everything. Um, you probably already have your mindset fixed.
2: I think, in a sense, there's a lot, though, that, like, for me specifically, I never got used to running the 800s. <laughs>
1: I absolutely yes. hated it.
0: Nor would I There's, ever want to to I think get there are some that.
1: races that you right. never get used to running because they just are not, they <laughs> suck. They're just <laughs> not fun. No, but you have no all.
2: choice but to be resilient, in, yeah. especially in a multi-event setting. So, for example, a heptathlon, you have seven events, and the 800 is mm-hmm. your last one. So if, if in my head, and I've internalized that I am not that good at this, whether or not that's true, mm-hmm. I've decided, like, yeah. this is my weak event. You have no choice but to be resilient because those events come right one after another mm-hmm. and if you perform poorly in one of them you need to like my coach would always be like all right I did this with my athletes too but like all right you got five minutes you can go over there deal with this however you want to deal with it feel feel all the feelings get it out right uh, whether you're gonna cry or yell or whatever you're gonna do mm-hmm. and then you got to come back over here and get ready for the next event like that one's over short mm-hmm. memory move on you have to prepare for the next one so yeah. I would say that's you know Talk about practicing resiliency. That's like yeah, that's a it. perfect example of how do you have to do that in the moment of competition.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Claire, I want to ask you about your experience as cross-country runner, right? Because in mm-hmm. the same way, you only get that one time. Mm-hmm. However, I would say it's a little bit different because throughout the race, you can kind of talk to yourself, mm-hmm. right? And kind of uh, go through, work through some things like mentally, I think, during the race. Yeah. Do you think, um, but like before going into races, there was a certain mindset that you had to have or feeling that kind of played into how you would talk to yourself throughout the race. Um, I mean, sometimes you're at a course that you've, I don't know, rarely been to, right? Mm -hmm. If you're at your home course, you probably feel real good about it because you know where to, um, where to speed up or what to look out for, like where all your marks are throughout the course. Talk about that.
1: Um, I think going into it, you just have to be prepared Mm -hmm. for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, again, you want to kind of visually, like, prepare for the best and and what you feel like your best race can be. Um, That's one of the reasons why we also do walkthroughs. So we walk Mm -hmm. through the course the day before. I would say that there are generally, like, when you think of cross country, like, especially at the high school level, like, you're only racing at so many courses. Same thing, I think, collegiately. Like, you don't necessarily go to every school's cross country course, and not every school has a cross country course. Right. So there's not, like, ACC's and nationals, like, they're typically going to be at, like, a handful of schools or whatever. And and when you think of, like, the meets during the year, like, typically from our schedule perspective, we would go to, like, the same races every year. Mm-hmm. So if you race the same course the year before, you're probably going to do it at least once, maybe twice a year, and then continue to, like, repeat those courses the same. Um but I, I think you are right in the sense of like you have a 5K or a 6K. So I think it's, it's positive and a negative because you have more time to become more negative <laughs> right, and, right. and kind of like maybe chip away at that resiliency and, and find some gaps in your mental strength and resiliency. Whereas if you're running a two minute 800, you kind of have less time to like talk yourself down or out of things.
0: Right. I mean, that's why I was saying like I think for the 800 or for like these these one-time races everything that matters is what you're thinking beforehand, mm-hmm. right? And then when you go you don't have much time to, to make any adjustments or whatever mm-hmm, in no. the moment.
1: And then you kind of black out. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. just go.
0: And then when you're doing like a 5K or so, right, mm-hmm. like you've got the beforehand, but you may have a little bit of wiggle room to like make up for it or build some type of confidence yeah. throughout. Or like you said, just, you know, uh, chip away at it in a yeah. negative perspective.
1: Yeah, but I think that just shows that having that mental peace strong and – practiced and really locked in Mm -hmm. is so important. And I, I was going to mention that for me, I think the physical resiliency was more of an issue just because of injuries and things like Mm -hmm. that. But I think the mental was as well, because that's not necessarily something that we were taught to practice from the get-go. It was, we, we had those resources later. Um, But I think in, in a 5k, it's easy to you know, not feel confident or have that slip when you're getting passed or when your coach is yelling at you and you're like, I physically, like, cannot do what you're asking me to do. Um, it, it kind of breaks your confidence a little bit. So um, there's think, some
2: unique challenges there, too. I think yeah. that relate to team sports because you're, mm-hmm. like, you have – it because it's an endurance thing, you have these long – moments where you might feel good the first half and then all of a sudden your stomach hurts or yeah or in a game something goes wrong like a play is bad or something you know somebody gets injured and has to come off the field or something and then you have to figure out how to turn it around in the moment mm-hmm. whereas like you know in a short race or a jumping event or something it's you know, like you said you have to just prepare for the next thing yep. whereas when you're racing a long race you have to like alright, I, I feel this right now, but I have to figure out how to refocus in a way that's going to mm-hmm. help me get out of this because, yeah, you know, it's, the end is coming regardless. <laughs> You're yeah, either right. going
1: to turn this around and win this game or this race or... Yeah, and all of those things you can't necessarily like predict will mm-hmm. happen. Like, you could get a cramp um, and you can't you could stop, but then you're gonna let your team down, right? Because it's still a team sport. Mm-hmm. So um, points banner. Your shoe could yeah. fall off, and then you could stop and put it back on and tie it. But how many people are gonna pass you right. in that process? Yeah, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely definitely a mental game, and I think from from just looking at the kind of gameplay of it, your mental toughness is gonna give out before your physical does, and I think that that's important to work on.
0: Claire, question for you based on something you just <laughs> said. Yeah. If your shoe came off in a race or mm-hmm. if it has before, would you stop and put it back on or would you no. continue running? I no,
1: mean, I'd keep going.
0: Okay. Leave the shoe behind completely. Yeah, you
1: get it later. That okay. did happen. I know that it didn't happen to me, but I know it happened to one of my teammates in high school. So we were... This is not really important, but uh, we were on a course and it was pretty rainy. It was muddy. So like a lot of the courses up in Maryland were like kind of through some fields and then like in the woods and then like you would come back out to kind of where you started. So we were running like along soccer fields and then, you know, we go into the woods, whatever, and we're coming back out. And the way that it was... On the way back, it was kind of closer to the trees, and there was there were, like, huge, like, mud pie, puddles, piles. Mm-hmm. But they were kind of concealed until you were in them. And her shoe just got, like, her spike just, <laughs> just got, like, suctioned off. And, off off. and so <laughs> she was like, well, guess I'm just going to keep going. That wow. happened um, to me in
2: a race, too. I had the same thing. Yeah. Not,
1: not in mud, because I was on a track, but somebody yeah. stepped on it. Yep. And it flew off.
2: Yep. And I've seen that. And you kept going. Yeah, it was an eight hundred, so I had, and it was within like the first, I think, lap or so. And there's four on an indoor track, so I kept
1: going. Yeah, had a hole in my sock at the end. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was (laughs) going to ask. I guess it kind of depends too. Like if it was track and it was a ten k, and my shoe came off like the first. Mile, I'd probably put it back on. Yeah, depending you know? on how long. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's like at that at that point, it was like the last four hundred of the race. So she was like, Screw, mm-hmm. I'm not putting it back on. Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. why? Why? It's, it's probably
0: the most important push right there. You right. Got, you don't so, want to get past. Yeah.
1: So it probably depends where it comes off. So mm-hmm. in my brain, I was like, if it came off where hers came off, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm not stopping. No, absolutely not. Yeah. But. Um, if one, if it's on track and two, if it's early enough on, I would say that you're probably better off putting it back on so you don't like (laughs) mess up your knees or hips or anything.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned from a team perspective, um, This is what my experience was like. It's never that one moment. Right. It's just a series of moments tied together where there are good, there are bad things that happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And you just have to almost like you went from event to event. You have to just forget about that play Mm -hmm. and then move on to the next one and just know that there are more coming. Right. Obviously, they get more important the, Mm -hmm. the further down the line they go uh, depending on score or whatnot. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it is just that building block type of approach. Like, okay, I need to, for me, it was, I know my abilities. I need to know what we're doing. And then I just need to do my job. Mm-hmm. And at that point it was, it was easy to me because I knew my abilities and I had learned what we were going to do throughout practice and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And at that point it was just making it happen. Um, which is cool. Um, I, I always felt like I built more resiliency mentally through the training process, mm-hmm. not through the competition like mm-hmm. moment, not through the big moments. And I always felt like those were more important. And for some reason, I love those moments more mm-hmm. than the games because I was able to like get better to learn. Mm-hmm. But but don't get me wrong, games are great because you can still learn in games. And I think that was one of my main things throughout my playing career was I wanted to be able to be better every single time. Like I wanted to learn what we needed to do to like dominate or, or just do our job better than our opponent. And then just awesome. Let's replicate that. Like, you know, and if they make an adjustment, okay, cool. Let's make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always felt like conditioning was a big part of that for me. I gonna ask, yeah. yeah. So like when we were conditioning, like trying to mentally put myself in a position where I was very uncomfortable But I I knew that I could push through. Mm -hmm. and Obviously, in conditioning, there is an end point, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like... um,
2: Do you think being with teammates was part of that, too? Where, like, you did that together? I
0: did a lot of my training by myself in high school. So it didn't matter to me whether it was teammates. It was more about me Mm -hmm. feeling that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, if I had to talk more during conditioning, which is, you know, warranted for, like, people who are, like, team leaders or captains or whatever um it doesn't necessarily detract right but it also takes away some of your like focused recovery time Mm -hmm. so when i train by myself right like i'd go as hard as i could but obviously i just had my time with like focusing like how am i breathing you know like uh what am i doing during my recovery time and Mm -hmm. being a little more um disciplined with those elements as well but I, i think through the team element obviously there's when you're doing stuff um two parts here. When you're doing something with other people, there's more of an adrenaline rush, right? You're around other people, you go a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think there's a little bit of bonding effect that happens when you're doing it with other people, right? Yeah. You, you go through tough times with mm-hmm. people, and you kind of bond over that situation. Um, so it's good to do things with teammates, because like I mentioned, you'll go harder, and you'll probably have a better connection to that person through that experience. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, group suffering. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right.
0: But I mean, uh, that's highly a,
1: recommend. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a cool thing to build relationships and, um, mm-hmm. also just kind of, you know, be there in the experience of other people. Cause you yeah. can, you can get pushed by someone being there and not even say anything to you. You know, Absolutely. there's that like visible accountability measure to yeah. it. Um, but I think that, I think that training is, is a good part of that too, where you can start to build in. Any of those mental strategies that you're going through, mm-hmm. but I always think it's great to push yourself like to the limit there, right? Where you because yeah. fatigue, what is what is that quote? Fatigue makes cowards of us all, right? It's that it's that point where you're that getting before. uncomfortable, you know, and that is going to challenge what you're doing, right? Because right. if uh, my coaches always had this rule in college where we could, we couldn't bend over, uh, you know, put our hands on our knees during conditioning sessions, right? Um,
2: that's always a personal favorite of mine as a track coach because right. physiologically it doesn't make sense. But right. all that's every coach's thing. Put your hands on your head.
0: Well, okay. So while we're talking about this, <laughs> research says that
2: mm-hmm. hands
0: over head versus hands on knees, hands on knees is better for right. recovery. Right. No other positions are mentioned in that research, though. So, I mean, my goal was always to just stand up, mm-hmm. to just be ready for the next one. Control my breathing, right, low and deep. And then when it's time to go a little bit higher, a little bit faster, um, to just kind of play into my nervous system that way. But um, that that was always just a a thing is when people get tired, they just revert back to whatever is comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And I I just love the challenge of I feel awful right now, but 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 I got to beat myself Mm -hmm. in this moment, right? So that I know when it gets to some other point later, that I can handle the situation. Mm-hmm. I can ha- I can be more than what my body is feeling or what my current like thoughts or emotions are towards the situation. Mm-hmm. So that that was my experience from a team perspective.
1: Yeah.
2: I have a question about team perspective type thing too, especially I feel like I see this a lot. It wasn't so much a, you know, truck and field or cross country thing as mm-hmm. much I don't think, but like when you're say football or soccer maybe um, where you have the interaction of fans number mm-hmm. one and coaching staff, number two. Um, I feel like part of being a resilient athlete is being able to take in, you know, maybe your coach is yelling at you, maybe a fan is heckling you or something. Um, like, mm-hmm. kind of refocusing and and uh, making sure that you are, like, putting your attention on exactly what you need to be focused on in order to t- tune out that noise mm-hmm. and make sure that you're being resilient in the moment of maybe a bad play and someone's blaming it on you or your coach is like, what are you doing? And you need to refocus. Did you ever have that experience? And what did you do in order to like refocus yourself?
0: Okay. Um, in college football, my coaches were very hard on us. Um, so, yeah, we, we <laughs> were recipients of a lot of that you know, Mm -hmm. uh, verbal communication Mm -hmm. and feedback Mm -hmm. instantly, yeah, that verbal feedback instantly. (laughs) Right. Just a lot of that stuff was happening. Um, I think for me in college, it just came back to the point where like I understood their coaching style. I didn't take it personally because I, I knew my abilities like, and I understood what I was doing. Right. Um, I can say without a doubt because I received praise after, um, afterwards sometimes, that them yelling at me in the moment, it, it didn't do anything to me, and it didn't mean that I was a terrible athlete. It just meant that they were disappointed in what I was doing <laughs> at the time, right? Now, whether or not the job got done, that was up to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Them, them being unhappy with the way that I did it, um, it that's fine. You know they, they, They've got their own idea of how they want it to go, right? But as long as I'm following that game plan and I'm doing my job as a teammate, Um, that stuff is going to be seen later or just Mm -hmm. once reflected upon will be realized, right? So I think there's a lot of stuff happening in the moment for college football coaches who have, you know, their reputations on the line, you know, week to week, you know, uh, position coaches, you know, being accountable to head coaches and then head coaches to, like, fan bases and administration and stuff like that. So, like, understand there are a lot of pressures on certain people, you know, during these moments. So um, I think just being confident in yourself and your abilities and doing the best you can in the game plan for your team, like, just do your job type of thing, Mm -hmm. that helped me because I got yelled at all the time. But Mm -hmm. then, like the film would come around and it would be like, okay, all right. He actually, yeah. he actually was doing a good job or he was doing something, right? Um, so I've experienced that. So I think you need to know your coaching staff. But more importantly, I think you need to just focus on what your task is and not let that distraction, you know, not let that – uh, external thing mm-hmm. come and affect the way you're playing mm-hmm. I also in high school, I was heckled um, mostly <laughs> really? mostly in basketball because when we played football like, i couldn 't really hear what what fans were saying, mm-hmm. but in basketball, I could hear it all the time um,
2: that's the classic free throw situation right, right where they're right, like right. doing something either yeah. moving around or saying something to try to distract you so.
0: yeah, yeah, I mean this happened in a lot of different places for me, not. <laughs> During free throws when I was shooting, yes. During free throws when I was, like, on the line, you know, Mm -hmm. um, yes. Um, Fans pregame, yes. Um, So I've been heckled in a lot of different ways in basketball throughout my high school career, Um, which is fine because they're fans. They're they're out there playing a game, right? Did it get to me a little bit? Yeah, but also they weren't even in the game. So, like, if I did something wrong, they were going to say something about it. You know if i did something right they weren't going to say anything about it right so like it honestly didn't matter um even though it, it did matter a little bit right like it's hard i think when you're younger to push those things aside but um again gotta go back to like what you're actually doing you're not there in your jersey to you know show up a fan right there you're out there to like you know, help your team win the game, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's important to stay in the moment, in those building block moments, and know that if you make a mistake, that's fine. You've got more opportunities to make it up later, and you just need to go just go back to the basics of the confidence in yourself, what is your game plan, those types of things. What worked for me in college, I think, was a checklist type of approach. In um, football, obviously, we, we have a game plan. We've got, like, let's just... Put it in this terms. Oh, you okay, Sorry. Claire? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed
1: I was holding my breath. <laughs>
0: Anyways, okay, so you know what your game plan is, right? You've got like this big database, right? And then, all right, we're in the game. They come out in a formation. Okay, now you've got this formation. You know that we're playing this way, right? You know what your job is, right? Who you're reading. And you just go down a checklist like that, and then you just make a play when the ball snaps, right? I like so, that. Yeah, so that was kind of my approach is like, what's the formation, what are my responsibilities here for run or pass, you know, or any type of motion that happens here, the ball snapped, make my read, go make a play, right? And then you just, okay, let's go to the next one, right? What are they coming out in? And so that way, mentally for me, like, I couldn't stay back on that last play. I had to keep moving to the next one.
2: I think there's a couple things you touched on there that are big, like the task focus is Mm. a big one for being resilient. Um, you, you mentioned reflection, which is huge. I think people kind of overlook that one um, where they lo- maybe you did lose a game and you made a lot of mistakes. Um, instead of carrying that whole energy and feeling around losing, you need to look at that moment, decide what you did wrong, what you could do better, mm-hmm. and then go out there and practice that and move on the next game. Like, forget about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Performance and, um, you know, go, go with wh- everything that you learned and try again um, with a fresh start. So I think those are... Two really big ones that definitely help people become more mentally resilient. Yeah. That's big stuff. Yeah,
1: Let's maybe look at how, I mean, we talked about the mental stuff mm-hmm. and maybe our experience. Like, What are some things that athletes can do to really build that mental resiliency and then transition into the physical yeah. aspect of that, of how we can make our bodies more resilient? Because mm. I struggle with that a lot.
2: Yeah, a couple of things. One of the ones we did already touch on was kind of the team challenge aspect, whether it's team or personal, but overcoming a challenge, doing something difficult, which the popular one right now, of course, is the cold plunge stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and the whole reason behind that, of course, there's physical effects of that that are beneficial for recovery, which we can touch on there too. But part of that is the mental aspect, which You're doing something really difficult that's very uncomfortable and you're sitting in that discomfort. You're allowing it to kind of take over and just even if it's three minutes. So right now, you know, I'm doing cold plunges, sit there for three minutes, work on breathing. That's another way you can, um, Mm -hmm. kind of work on mental toughness is just sitting discomfort and then working on your breathing. So you're kind of taking, the mental side out of it. All you're doing if your thoughts are wandering is refocusing right back on those breaths. So, you know, mm-hmm. simple, super simple one is like five second breath in, hold for five seconds, exhale for five seconds. Just do that over and over. And if you start to notice negative thoughts coming in or just your mind wandering, you just go right back to the five seconds in, mm-hmm. five seconds, five seconds out. Um, so I think those couple things are really big. Um, writing things down and reflecting Kind of in the sense we talked about reflecting, you could do that in many ways, like film Mm -hmm. um, that you mentioned, journaling um, is a big one. Maybe even just discussing with teammates, like, hey, what do you think I should have done in that moment? Like, what do you think I did wrong? Just getting some feedback Mm -hmm. um, from an outside source is another thing. So,
1: yeah.
0: Well, I think that was important what you said at the end there about. Film right. If you have it, not focusing on "Hey, I did this wrong mm-hmm. here," but like this is what I can do better in this situation the next time. And I think that's important too, because negative thoughts wander at all different points, right? They, mm-hmm. or they can. So focusing on the the constructive aspects of of this reflection or this uncomfortable moment, if mm-hmm. you're in the uh, cold plunge, you know. Yeah. yeah. So this is good.
1: Yeah, that's important. It already happened. You can't take it back. So
0: yeah, absolutely. How do you change it? Got to move forward from there. And
2: you notice that like, the the better you get at that, and the more you do difficult things, you kind of crave difficult things, mm-hmm. like because you know that you have the skills to be able to overcome whatever that challenge is. and it feels so good to accomplish something that mm-hmm. you maybe you you know were confident in yourself, but you weren't hundred percent sure that you could get that done, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you do, and the more you do that, the more you can build that self confidence in order to take on whatever competition or challenge comes up. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's a perfect segue into mm-hmm. physical aspects, right? Because if you want to be more resilient physically, right, you have to put yourself in those experiences or in those intensities, mm-hmm, speeds, mm-hmm. Uh, weights of you know becoming more resilient to those things, right? So if you want to be faster, you got to run fast. It doesn't mean you're going to run the time you want early on, but you have to push yourself in those intensities, right? Mm-hmm. Conditioning, you obviously have to build up that capacity and you have to put yourself in those moments. So you have to train in the intensities that you want to play in and you want to perform in, right? So you mm-hmm. have to have that exposure as well to become more resilient to those forces, right? So if you want to be able to jump high, obviously your, your legs have to be... Or is it strong enough, right, to be able to produce those forces? You need to focus on the actual impact sometimes if you're in a sport that constantly jumps, constantly runs, right? So you have to build up things uh, from intensities, exercises, drills that match that uh, end goal. Uh, experience, right? And that's how you become more resilient. I think another thing to mention here about resiliency is range of motion. You need to also prepare your body to uh, execute in ranges of motion that Mm -hmm. you want to, right? Um, It's good to be pliable so that your body is not stiff and cannot move in these range of motion that you want, right? So um, those are things that I think physically from a training perspective, you need to be able to get to those intensities, speeds durations whatever um, and you need to train in those to be exposed to them so your body can adjust to those and the same thing with ranges of motion you need to be able to go through those ranges of motion if it's like a large one like maybe like a a hockey goalie needs to be able to go through really extreme ranges of motion mm-hmm. right while trying to make a save well you probably need to be as flexible or pliable to be able to get into those positions in the game right yeah.
2: And at the same time, Um, recover, right? So you need to push yourself into those experiences and positions and challenges that you need to get to, but then at the same time have that recovery period so that you can be resilient. Um, You know, if we're going hard, hard, hard all the time, there's no way that in the game moment that you're going to be able to kind of pull that. Of course, mentally, you could probably dig deep and still get a performance if you're not fully recovered, but Mm -hmm. making sure we're focusing on that balance of hard challenge versus being recovered and ready to perform
0: agreed i mean you have to be able to find time to recover from that because you're not going to make you're not going to get the results from your training if you're not recovering from those moments of training right Uh, To take a popular song reference, you know, you'd be going down, down in an earlier round if you Uh just keep training hard all the time, right? So you need to make sure (laughs) that... I had to
1: get one in. Yeah, I had to.
0: So you need to make sure that you're able... Father's
1: Day is coming up. (laughs) Crime in the dad joke. Yeah.
0: You need to make sure you're able to recover from what you're training for as Mm -hmm. well. So I think that's good. Now, Claire, you want to give us some uh, recovery um, tips here from a nutrition perspective, from sleep perspective, because Tiana can. Touch on that as well. So,
1: yeah, I guess, um, well, I guess nutrition will fall under like the recovery umbrella and becoming resilient to all sorts of things. So, like, maybe the most prevalent ones would be like injury, illness, but then also like even mental maybe stuff. So, if you're not fueling your body the way you need to, your brain's not going to be able to work optimally, or um, maybe from like more of an endocrine. Um, perspective of if you're not eating enough, your hormones aren't going to be able to function optimally mm-hmm. and that can make you less resilient to specific things like, um, having enough energy and building muscle and things right. like that. So, um, obviously sleep is very important for all of the, those things too. Um, you know, you can go back and listen to our sleep episode if you want more, <laughs> um, more details on that. Um, but sleep is, is important to make your body resilient to all of those things as well with the nutrition, um, the same things that the nutrition is. And um, I think when we talk about resiliency in a nutrition perspective, we're kind of just going back to the basics of making sure you're eating enough so that we can prevent those things and your body is being supported in what it's doing. Um, making sure that we're not just eating fast food all the time, or we're eating like high inflammatory things all the time, because that's not necessarily going to negate everything that you're doing, but it's not going to assist you in being resilient and doing the things that you're trying to do. Um, so making sure that you're supporting your body in that way is going to help make it resilient. And I think that's something that, a lot of younger athletes don't necessarily focus on, and I think that's why we see a lot of injuries or, like, kids are sick all the time or whatever. It's not necessarily because they're busy and they're just kids. It's probably because they're not eating the things they need to eat. They're not getting the micronutrients they need to get to be able to be resilient to all of those things to kind of make them that holistic, well-rounded, resilient athlete. Yeah.
0: Claire touched on a couple of... um... Uh, supplemental uh, recovery strategies, or I guess uh, supplements, just items that you can take for inflammation and for muscle protein synthesis. In our last episode, in the final segment, what's up? <laughs> so be sure to check out the last episode um, at the end. There, you can catch that that tidbit there because she gave mm-hmm. some good information.
1: Yeah, I'm, and I can mention a couple more, like recovery-wise. I think this is when. Like, Save it
0: for the other episodes.
1: But they're not on there. <laughs> they're not on your list. These are different. <laughs> like targeted supplementation from a recovery and like resiliency, I guess you could say perspective um, and anti-inflammation. I would definitely recommend tart cherry juice. We, I recommend that to a lot of our athletes. But using that as, again, kind of a, a tool – for post-workout or before bedtime can be helpful. Just again, to make the body a little bit more resilient to um, free radicals, to things like stress. um, And there it is. (laughs) And just help the recovery process. So that, turmeric, and um, omega-3s. So those, those three things can just help. Obviously, again, making sure that you're focusing on the basics eating whole foods, eating enough, all of those things are going to need to come first, because if you're not doing those, throwing some turmeric on it is not gonna fix the problem. No, no. <laughs> um, and that's why I say targeted supplementation, because if we're noticing that, okay, I'm doing all these baseline things, but you know, I'm still maybe struggling with um, injuries here and there, or just kind of feeling run down more often than I would like, then that can be a helpful tool to, to throw in there as well. Okay, so no Big Mac with Sprinkled turmeric and yeah. cherry juice on the side. No, okay. if we're doing that every day, it might, might not really <laughs> okay. Okay. might not really help. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. Well, thank you both for sharing your experiences um, mm-hmm. personally through um, mental resiliency. Here, Tiana, you want to give us a recap here of like um, strategies and maybe positive self talk. Um,
2: well, I think to tie it all together too, we did talk about these things kind of broken down as physical or mental or nutrition mm-hmm. or. But, I mean, really, in every single segment we talked about, everything is linked together. So, um, you know, all of these things need to work together in order to be a resilient person overall, Mm -hmm. never mind athlete. Um, So I think any combination of what we've talked about will be an improvement, but making sure that you're touching on something from each aspect of this, um, whether that's the, you know, doing really difficult things So that you're preparing your body for those particular challenges of your sport, while at the same time, when you're doing those difficult things, you're having to deal with discomfort and understand what that mental toughness aspect looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And then taking care of your body overall, whether that's sleeping, so that you're committing new skills to memory. It's sleeping so that you're physiologically adapting to whatever you did. Um, I think... Any one of these things and any combination are going to improve performance. So the more you can do from every piece of this, the better off
1: you are. Yeah. And it'll apply to other parts of your life, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's important to yeah. mention that. It carries over yeah. after sports. Yeah. After sports or even you're a student athlete, it carries yeah. over into just every aspect of your life. Oh, well, that's an episode yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> definitely.
0: Well, thank you, Tiana, for coming on today and yeah. helping us out with this Thanks for having me,
1: episode. as always. Yeah. yeah.
0: We'll catch you on the next one.
1: Bye.